In our scripture lesson this morning, there was one particular phrase that I want to lift up to you. And that's the one that we find in Luke 2.14. And it's the announcement of the angels. Have you ever noticed that the angels did not sing those words? Everybody seems to think that they sang them, but it says that the angel that made the announcement of the birth of Jesus to the shepherds was then joined by a heavenly host. And this heavenly host said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. It was an announcement and it was uh, something that First of all, it was just announcing the way things were. Jesus had come, and that was going to bring glory to God in the highest. And he was going to be bringing peace to those with whom God was well pleased. There are mentions of peace connected with Jesus all through Scripture. Way back in Isaiah probably a thousand years before Jesus was born. Isaiah in Isaiah 9, 6 uh, says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And then we hear the announcement of the angels. And then in John 14, 27, when Jesus had his disciples together for the last time, he says these words, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Later, Paul in Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, have being, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then again in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the 15th verse, he says, And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I could go on and on. Peace is connected with Jesus over and over and over again in the Bible. And peace is something, let's face it, that we all desperately need today. As we end this year, the year 2018, which in the world has not been peaceful at all, I think that it's good that we just look at the peace that Jesus has brought us. Uh, you know, untold millions of dollars are spent annually in search of peace. Every year, thousands of people seeking personal or family peace flock to professional counselors. Diplomats fly around the world pursuing peace between nations. Our court systems are jammed with cases arising from a breakdown of peace between individuals or corporations. 
But spending all this money and all this time on these various pursuits of peace hasn't worked because the truth is that in the end, peace is not something that you can purchase. It's something that you must receive. Peace, the kind of peace we need and yearn for, is offered by God as a gift through Jesus Christ, a gift that he lovingly gave us when he sent his son, the Prince of Peace, into our world 2,000 years ago, the night that the angel spoke forth this announcement of peace. And the peace that Jesus gives is truly a wonderful type of peace. As his word says, it is not the kind of peace that the world gives. It's a peace that passes human understanding. Now, I want to talk to you today and the next two Sundays about the peace that God has for us through Jesus Christ. It's a kind of peace that enables us to experience an inner calm in spite of all the circumstances that would normally cause stress. It's like the calm in the eye of a storm, a perfect stillness and peace while the storm rages all around. A good example of what this peace is like is found in an old story about a man who just wanted to find the perfect picture of peace. And he couldn't find one. He looked and looked and couldn't ever find one. And so he announced a contest to produce this perfect picture of peace. And artists everywhere jumped on this and they began to paint. And paintings arrived from all over. And finally, the great day of revelation had arrived. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another. And while the viewers clapped and cheered, the tension grew. Only two pictures remained unveiled or remained veiled. And they knew that one of these two pictures that was left was going to be the picture of perfect peace or the perfect picture of peace, the picture that depicted peace better than any other. Have I said it enough ways yet? Okay. Anyway, as the judge pulled the cover off of one, a hush fell over the crowd. A mirror smooth lake reflected lacy green birches under the soft blush of the evening sky. And along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. You could tell that everyone thought that this was the winner. The man with the vision, though, uncovered the last painting himself. And the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? Because as they looked, they saw a tumultuous waterfall cascading down a rocky precipice. And the crowd could almost feel uh, its cold, penetrating spray. Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain overhead. In the midst of the thundering noises and bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge 
of the waterfall and on one of its branches, which reached out in front of the torrential waters, a little bird had built a nest in the elbow of the branch. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones, she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. This is the kind of peace that we find through Jesus. And really the best picture of the peace that Jesus brings is seen in Jesus himself, in the Prince of Peace. I say this because the way he lived his life showed that when it comes to peace, Jesus knew what he was talking about and that he deserves the title Prince of Peace. For example, the very storm that made his disciples just panic made him drowsy. Do you remember that? They feared for their lives and for their, that their boat was going to become their tomb. But to Jesus, it was a cradle. It rocked him to sleep. Another time when Jesus was teaching a crowd of 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, the disciples panicked because it was supper time and they were worried about how they were going to feed this crowd. When they informed Jesus, he didn't stress out at all. He faced the situation with truly unworldly calm. I mean, ladies, how would you feel if your husband brought home a guest for dinner unannounced? You don't have to answer that. But uh, anyway, wouldn't you get a little upset if he brought home 15,000? Well, not Jesus. It didn't even uh, cause him to break a sweat. He just relied on God's power and he fed all those people. When he began his earthly ministry and told people in the synagogue that he was the Messiah, they tried to throw him off a cliff, but he calmly walked through their midst and just left. The professional mourners that came to the house of Jairus laughed in his face when he told them that the little girl was only asleep. Then he calmly entered her room and raised her from the dead. Even the raging demoniac in the graveyard at Gadara didn't scare him. When the temple police came to arrest him, he didn't panic. He even took time to calmly hear, heal the uh, ear of a man uh, who had had his ear lopped off by Peter, didn't he? Jesus' entire trial was a travesty of justice, and yet he calmly moved from judge to judge as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers as dumb, so he opened not his mouth, according to the scripture a thousand years before in Isaiah 53, 7. Later, while people jeered at him and mocked him while he was hanging on the cross, Jesus prayed for them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, wouldn't you like to have that kind of peace? Wouldn't you like to be able to face trials of life like Jesus did? You know, I've discovered that uh, the only way we're really going to have peace 
is if the whole world is converted. I mean, soundly and truly converted. Uh, years ago, there was a, a bumper sticker that was very popular. It said, visualize world peace. Didn't do much good, did it? In fact, it got, it's gotten worse since those were being uh, put on the back of cars. But I think we ought to have a new bumper sticker that says, evangelize world peace. Because when you come to know God through Jesus Christ, you wind up at peace with God, you wind up with peace within, and you wind up at peace with those around you. And so I would love to see a new bumper sticker that would come out that would say, evangelize world peace because that's the way that we're going to come to know peace in this world. The good news is that we can know that peace even if the rest of the world doesn't. Now, Jesus came to bring three kinds of peace. I just listed them. Peace with God, the peace of God, and peace with others. And today, I'm just going to focus on looking at peace with God because without having peace with him, we will never truly know peace. There was a, a, a saying that was very popular on uh, church billboards many years ago as well. You may have seen it. Uh, it was no God, no peace, no God, no peace. The first time it was spelled N-O, no God, no peace. The second, the no was spelled K-N-O-W, no God, no peace. And that is just so true. So peace with God, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. He didn't come to bring peace to everybody. He came to bring peace to those who pleased God. Now, who pleases him? Those who believe him and trust him. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It also says uh, in the same verse in Hebrews that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In another place, it says, or he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will ever surely find me. And millions of people throughout the ages have discovered that that is true as they seriously and diligently sought him. They found him and found peace. Whenever we live our lives our own way, not considering God's way, we're in conflict with God. And that's the way that we're born. And so Isaiah says in uh, 53, 6, we're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him. The result of this war with God is a life lived for ourselves, fulfilling the deeds of the flesh. And the Bible says that the deeds of the flesh are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, 
sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I like that open-endedness of that. Things like these. And we're warned in the same verse that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Peace with God produces within us the fruit of the Holy Spirit because once we're at peace with him, he sends his Holy Spirit to indwell us and his spirit brings his peace. Now the fruit of the spirit and notice, I'm going to, you'll hear me say this just about every time because people are always thinking it says fruits, plural, and they want to pick and choose which one of the fruits of the spirit they really want to concentrate on. But it's fruit, one fruit of the spirit, just like an apple is crunchy, juicy, sweet, tart, red, white. Those are all attributes of one fruit. So it is with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says that the, Holy, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peace comes when we surrender to God. In Job 22:21, the Bible says, Quit quarreling with God. Agree with him and you will have peace at last. His favor will surround you if you will only admit that you were wrong. Do you know that? Quit quarreling with him. And this is just it. There are a lot of people who have submitted to God, but they have not surrendered to God. And there is such a difference. I want to make sure that, that, that this is clear to you, that what the difference is. Mary, when she was told that she was going to bear our Savior, do you remember her words? Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. She didn't argue with him. She surrendered to his will. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Well, um, she had questions, and having questions isn't necessarily arguing, is it? And uh, so he answered her questions. Another place that we see this surrendering versus submitting made clear is whenever Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, powerfully, the Prince of Peace demonstrates this. Even though he agonized over going to the cross, he was surrendered. He didn't argue with God. He didn't say, hey, I've got a better way. Instead, he said, Father, if there be any way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus has shown us the way. The best example I've come up with is like if you're submitting to God is like you're driving along in a car 
and there's Jesus right there on the side of the road and you pull over and you invite him to hop in. And then you continue on your journey. And then he says, well, you need to make a left-hand turn right here. And you say, where do you want us to go? He said, oh, you'll see when you get there. He said, no, I'm, I've got somewhere else I want to go. And so you carry Jesus along with you in the car, not going where he is telling you you should go. That's like submitting. You know, there are a lot of people, they've asked Jesus to come into their life. They've asked him to come into their heart, but they want to maintain control. They want to tell God how to do things. They haven't surrendered. Do you see that? They haven't come to the place to where they're willing to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. And people who have submitted to God, but haven't surrendered to God, they were, are always going to be telling God what to do, how to do it, trying to boss God around. How do you think that's going to work? It's not, is it? And so they're just wasting a lot of their time and God's time. And uh, they're missing the joy and the peace that he has for them because they haven't fully trusted in him and put their faith in him. They know better. And so they'll rationalize their sin. They'll rationalize their uh, ideas and, and what they want to do. And they wind up being kind of like W.C. Fields was where one day everybody considered him extremely ungodly, but they caught him looking through a Bible. And his friend said, W.C., what are you doing? And he said, looking for loopholes. <laughs> and that's what the person who has submitted to God but not surrendered to God does. They look for ways to do what they want to do. You see, they maintain control of their lives. Now then, what does it mean to surrender to God? Surrendering to God is whenever you pull over to the side of the road, you get out of the car, you hand Jesus the keys, you give him the steering wheel, and you say, here it is, let's go. You give him the steering wheel of your life. You trust him. You entrust your very life, your very being to him. You may ask him what he's up to, but you don't tell him where to go. He'll answer your questions. But the thing is, at this point, when you're on that great adventure that we call the Christian life, you will wind up having the most joyful, peaceful life that you can have. So many live their whole lives just submitted to God and not surrendered to him. And so this is why I share this with you on this last Sunday of this year, so that you can have the opportunity, if you have just submitted to him and not surrendered to him, that you can start 2019 in peace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Forgive us if we have said we've given our lives to you and then we've tried to maintain control. Forgive us, O oh God, if we have been trying to tell you 
what we should do with our lives instead of asking you and listening to you. Forgive us, O God, for living our lives in turmoil when we could be living in perfect peace. Lord, if there's anybody here today who has submitted to you and thought that that was enough, speak to their hearts. Let them know that you're knocking and that you want them to open the door to the very depth of their being and to reside there as the Prince of Peace. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.